MSW Media. News was wearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello. Hey, hey. How are you? Andrew Torres from Opening Arguments. I am wonderful. How are you? Allison Gill from Muller. She wrote in the Daily Beans. I am fantastic. How are you? Well, here's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just recording a show and we were just wrapping up the good news. Just finished talking to Kathy Griffin and bam, notice notification on my phone. Like, and I, it's funny because I say on the show, this just came across my desk. Like I get paid from my, <laughs> my cats, I guess. And it's Pardon Palooza part, I think we're on part four, maybe part three. And uh, wow, we, I went back on the air for another five minutes so I could jam a, a segment into the show for tomorrow morning. But that list of pardons is ridiculous. It, 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 it is. And it's worth pointing out, right, as with everything with Donald Trump, this is not normal. This is not the way it is supposed to be. And the, those of us who are, you know, of, of slightly advanced years, but like might, might remember uh, that literally on his last day in office, Bill Clinton pardoned, pardoned Mark Rich uh, and a bunch of other, you know, really questionable, controversial, personal pardons. Um, absolutely. I mean, let, let's be clear about this zero chance that those pardons would have issued uh, had Al Gore won the two, had, had Al Gore been declared the winner of the 2000 presidential race. Um, it, 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 <laughs> nice it just, language there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I want a lawyer, lawyerly precision on that. But, but look, like this used to be the thing. And, 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 and also, I mean, let's all, let's be clear about this. Clinton's pardon of March of Mark Rich was corrupt. It was wrong. That's not what the purpose of the pardon is. Uh, and it used to be we agreed in a bipartisan way that the point of the presidential pardon and of the clemency power was to demonstrate mercy where the process of justice had run roughshod over individuals. It is why there is a separate DOJ office. There is an office of the pardon attorney. Um, that Trump has never met with, right? Rosalind Sargent Byrne, she's the first African-American woman ever to occupy the office. And um, it it doesn't matter, right? She's, um, the, the entire process has been circumvented so that Donald Trump can pardon his cronies, anybody who was ever affiliated with the Mueller investigation uh, and people he finds on Fox News. Uh, yeah. that's That's literally it. So I want to get a little more into Mark Rich, but first of all, let's go over some of these top line <laughs> pardons that are that are really. Uh, these are the ones that. Okay, so first, of course, I had a, a multi-year podcast about the Mueller investigation, and he has pardoned Papadop, which is our nickname for yep. Papadopoulos, and uh, of course, Vanderswan, son-in-law of Herman Kahn, head of Alpha Bank, right? And I think both of these guys were convicted of lying to prosecutors yeah which trump sees as not a crime okay 
So he pardoned, those are the two from the Mueller investigation that he pardoned. He also pardoned two insider traders. Also, you know, traders or traitors, however you want (laughs) to say that. We've got Chris Collins and uh, neighboring former um, Congressman Duncan Hunter. He's next door to me in California's 50th. Um, these guys. Then there are four Blackwater guys who were responsible for shooting and killing 17 Iraqi men, women, and children. Then we have two Border Patrol agents who yeah, were those charged are war with... crimes, by the way. Yeah, keep keep going. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's okay. You, you interject with anger whenever whenever you feel the need. <laughs> I'm, the two Border I'm, Patrol I'm here... agents. I'm here to unbalance AG. That's the entire like I'm I'm the uh, I'm both Statler and Waldorf to you know your calm, <laughs> cool, collected recitation of the news. Uh, then we have, and I'm doing these off the top of my head, by the way. I'm pacing around mm. my house right now. That's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> then we have these two border patrol agents who murdered an unarmed immigrant and then covered it up. So not just murder, but covering up the murder. Uh, and those are the the big ones. There was also a Texas guy who was convicted on 12 felonies, I think. Somebody from 1952 who was a moonshiner. That's an interesting one. Um, who are some of the other big name ones that you pulled out of this story? Oh, I think you've I think you've hit all the the big names. I mean, to me, uh, Duncan Hunter, Papadopoulos, Vanderswan, uh, and uh, unbelievably the 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 Blackwater criminal. Um, that that is, that is, yeah. Um, it's it's just I, I you and I live outside the Fox News bubble, so I'm sure that there was some like crazy fucking puff piece run by OAN or whatever about how you know they were brave American soldiers. They're not. They're contractors. They're you know essentially uh, over glorified mall cops with uh, uh, deadly weapons uh, being being sent into, and they committed international war crime right the kinds of things that uh, yeah all right sorry i'm good i'll calm down no 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 please so one of the things that came out that i think is really really illustrative right um in the first round of commutations right which um uh, the first round of of sort of nakedly political commutations, uh, which included Roger Stone, um, the the narrative that started circulating among the Uncle Franks and you know right wing Facebook was you know Donald Trump has commuted eleven sentences and Barack Obama co- you know commuted two thousand, um, and and by the way th- that's true right presidents hmm. should be commuting more sentences. Obama's all virtually all right. What what it rounds up to one hundred percent of the Obama commutations were for federal criminal inmates uh, who were serving excessively long mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent drug possession related offenses. Right. Um, those that's that's what the pardon power is for. It is to look at a situation and go, okay, yeah, the law says X, uh, but that has now swept up um, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are are not a danger to society, who uh, for whom there is there is no um, you know 
deontological justice-based reason to keep them in prison. There's certainly no utilitarian benefit to uh, keeping them in prison. And so we, you know, we commute their sentences. So it, it was never about the numbers. It was always about how that power is deployed. And that, mm. look, I, I have, <laughs> maybe talk about it on, uh, if not this, a, a future episode, right? I am controversially, right? I, I, I stand opposite um, the universe, and I mean this literally, like the universe's foremost expert in constitutional law, Lawrence Tribe, who thinks that presidents do not have the power to pardon themselves. Um, I, I, I disagree. Um, and, and I think that the, the, the pardon power was meant to be robust. Um, it was never meant to be deployed by a criminal narcissist. And, you know, uh-huh. this, is, this is what we have. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with Lawrence on this one. I don't think a president should be able to pardon himself. I think he will. Putin did that today. Did you see that? He made it. I did uh, not. (laughs) Yeah. He 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 said forever and ever infinity plus one um, Mm. that no president uh, of Russia, by the way, no president of Russia can ever be convicted of a crime. Ever. So he basically is giving clemency and immunity from prosecution to all current, former, past, and future presidents of Russia. That's a little different, right? Like the 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 Western tradition, the English tradition of the pardon power that we have inherited from uh, 13th century Saxony um, is uh, is only for offenses against the federal government. Right. So um, it does not cover high puppy. Um, it does not cover uh, prospective uh, crimes that have not yet uh, been committed. Um, I, you know, kind of 007 license to kill, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's not part of the pardon power um, and and does not cover offenses that are not federal offenses. Right. And, and you know, we've talked about that a lot. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> this is this what's a, dictators funny, can well, appropriate the words if they want. But, you know, we're not what, there yet, thankfully. <laughs> what's funny is why did he even have to do that? Like anyone's going to yeah. prosecute Putin for anything in his own country. That's kind right. of funny. Right. Um, anyhow. So, yeah, the, the pardon. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, yeah. A little infuriating, still letting it sink in. But we did have plans, you and I, to talk today about a couple of different things. Oh, were and, there other news things? Like, it's just a, a never-ending wave that keeps washing over us. <laughs> well, one interesting legal document that was filed today was a filing by Joseph Bondi. And as you know, and please, I'm doing this all off the top of my head, okay? I am not looking at any script. This is all... I'm going in cold, so if I make any errors, correct me. But Joseph Bondi uh, filed a motion on behalf of Lev Parnas. You'll remember of Parnas and Froome fame, who were, you know, picked up on the way to Vienna to meet with Furtosh, who is under investigation in Chicago right now for bribery, who Rudy met with Benchkowski, the, the head of criminal division at Department of Justice, and Barr was there too, even though he said he wasn't initially, to help, you know, to, to lobby, Rudy Giuliani wanted to lobby to get his buddy Fratosh off the hook. So that was the whole fraud guarantee thing that was going on with Ukraine 
money laundering and scandal and yeah. business. Let let harness. I mean, the the way that that everything you've said is one hundred percent accurate. The 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 shorthand is. Lev Parnas is one of two of Rudy Giuliani's stooges who were on the ground running shadow foreign policy in Ukraine uh, during the time when the president of the United States held hostage uh, approved foreign aid to Ukraine uh, in order to extort uh, the government of Ukraine into publicly backing an insane conspiracy theory to try and discredit Joe Biden. So yeah, yep. that left Parnas. Anyway, anyway that, please do continue. That Parnas and Fruman show. So Parnas is what? <laughs> so Parnas was arrested. Parnas and Fruman and a guy named Korea arrested. Rudy was going to go the same the next day, but he didn't. Anyway, uh, Bondi filed this motion to dismiss the indictment of Lev Parnas, saying he was not fairly prosecuted, <clears throat> meaning. Because he, in his discovery, he's asking for eight different things. Most of those things are just any communications, any and all communications between the Southern District of New York and anyone on Team Trump about Lev Parnas. And the other thing is why, if Lev Parnas was arrested <laughs> for these crimes, why Rudy Giuliani, Victoria Townsig, again, top of my head, Joe DeGeneva, America First Pack, a redacted name, John Solomon, who was the guy, the, the journalist who published all of the dirt, quote unquote, that Rudy Giuliani fabricated, and Rudy Giuliani, why were none of them arrested? Uh, and then he also asked for any communications between the Southern District of New York and Bill Barr and Team Trump regarding why people weren't arrested, why those named were not arrested. And I don't know who that redacted figure is. That's an interesting one there. I should know that, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't know any of that. So, so here's what's going on um, in 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 that particular case. Um, in a criminal matter, the government has that the 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 government's prosecutors uh, have an obligation, an affirmative obligation, to turn over to a criminal defendant uh, any material that they find uh, that is potentially exculpatory. Um, and so, and that comes from a case called Brady versus Maryland. And so um, those materials are called uh, Brady materials. And 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 again, I, I just want to illustrate, um, this is a unique, I mean, you know, it has to do with um, the, the unique way in which we treat criminal defendants, right? You have to prove them uh, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. In an ordinary civil trial, if I have a piece of evidence, right, I'm representing a client um, and I discover something that's really bad to my client's case and the other side doesn't know about it, I have no duty to tell them about that. Um, similarly, if I am a criminal defense lawyer and I uncover evidence that's really, really bad about my client, um, I have no affirmative obligation to tell the government about it, right? So this is only a duty that prosecutors have uh, because, you know, we think it's kind of important that you not prosecute innocent people. Um, and so all of those requests that you've described fall into the category of Brady material or that there's actually a subset of some of the things that um, that Joseph Bondi has requested uh, that are that are called Giglio material. And that is one specific category of things that are 
considered potentially exculpatory is the existence of non-prosecution, deferred prosecution agreements, and plea deals with potential witnesses in your case. And so that comes from another case called Giglio versus United States. But but again, it all kind of falls under the general category of you have to disclose these things. Now, let, let me say this. I, I am uh, a civil attorney, not a criminal attorney. Um, but I have friends who are prosecutors. Um, I, I, I know that realm really, really well. Um, and I will tell you, every federal prosecutor takes very, very seriously their Brady obligations. And the, the fact that this is sort of hit into the mainstream, uh, I think is illustrative of the fact that you have conspiracy theory lunatics um on the, on the other side right like the, in 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 michael flynn's case right Sidney powell <laughs> you know repeatedly i'll let you i'll let you talk about that right like filed dozens of motions <laughs> claiming that there was secret brady material that the prosecutors never turned over and and the answer to all of it was um yeah, we, no, we, we, we gave you, there just isn't stuff there. Like they're there with all the like, you know, hidden, you know, vote fraud and I, like I, Hugo Chavez's notebooks and what have you. Like, um, so <laughs> asking is asking, um, but there is zero yeah. evidence uh, that it's there. Well, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, the, the Mueller investigation actually voluntarily handed over some Brady information. And this is how I first learned about mm. about Brady, uh, Brady material and what it was. And that was when um, Mueller and the Mueller prosecutors found out that Gates had told them something about Manafort, uh, about Manafort being part of a phone call. Uh, I think I think it had to do with the phone call on the way to LaGuardia with Stone, who said he had an upcoming wiki dump and, you know, Trump writing down that he had no foreknowledge of that or he um, he said can't or deny no or i don't recall <clears throat> Mueller had this extra piece of information after talking again to rick gates no it was aha i'm sorry i remember what it is manafort <laughs> uh what, i think what was, it was telling kalimnik uh kalimnik apprised of polling data when it was actually gates who was doing that on behalf of manafort and so when they found that out and they go, oh, oh, shit, we have to immediately run and tell the court, hey, we just learned that Gates was making these updates to the Russians, to the Kremlin on behalf of it. He wasn't doing it. And they go, OK, very much. But the judge in the case, in the Manafort case said, yeah, but it doesn't impact this case because, you know, you guys are doing tax fraud stuff on him. So it's neither here nor there but thank you for handing over the stuff so they had a history you know Mueller has a precedent of, of handing over without being asked exculpatory potentially exculpatory information even that doesn't well, even have to do with the case and so that's when I first learned about what that was and 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 I would say that like I love that you told that story that is illustrative of my experience right which is that federal prosecutors know that this is a big, big deal. And they take it seriously and they deliberate over 
the question on the margins, right? So this is not, you might be thinking, oh, you know, you lawyers and your technicalities and this and that. This is not a case where there is like a hard and fast rule that says, you know, it's got to be six pages long. And so they, you know, they they format it into compressed font and shrink the margins and say, look, it's it's 5.99 pages, so we don't have to turn it over, right? Like it, it is every prosecutor I've, I have ever met. And, I, and I, I did have a case a long time ago when I was a baby lawyer taking a um, uh, taking a, 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 a criminal justice act panel, a, a pro bono representation uh, of a witness. My witness said something inconsistent on the stand to what that witness had represented uh, in um, in, in uh, personal conversations that we had then proffered. Um, well, it wasn't a deposition, but it was. It's why that's why I paused. Um, so right. he he told us one story. We told the prosecutor that story, and then when he was on the stand, he said something that arguably contradicted it. And the prosecutor said to me, "I think I, I have to tell the other side." about the conversation that your client had with me um, because i think that this is potentially brady material um and uh so so yeah like that is this is not an area where you know uh, we're, we're prosecutors like you know yeah. are are, uh, are 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 trying to play the game to have it come out it is it, it, and and look it's not because all prosecutors are wonderful human beings. It's not just a case of ethics. It is also a matter of pragmatics, right? If you fail to turn over Brady material and the other side eventually learns about it, that then becomes basis to collaterally attack the uh, the, the jury verdict on appeal, right? Yeah. So you yeah, can you get can a new trial. Appeal. Yeah. And so they don't- Based so, on that. So it's both. Yeah. Like- So, you, does, you, so you, does this Parnas filing have- <laughs> Is 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 the discovery requesting basically Brady information? Yeah, so that's that's the way I read um, the the request for relief. Um, so you know, let's let's talk about it. This is pages uh, 52, 53, um, where they say, "All right, we want um, all of the notes. We want." all of the variances in any witnesses statements even if they're within the same interview or made during prep preparation to testify in a grand jury trial we want all evidence related to the criminal histories of all the government witnesses we want any promises inducements payments emoluments rewards or threats made to witnesses to gain evidence information or cooperation look, look the response to all of this is going to be anything that was brady anything that was giglio we've turned over to you already no we're not going to give you all of our internal notes which are attorney work product uh for you to conduct this fishing expedition and by the way this these are there are pages and pages um there, there are eight or nine pages of, of these requests um it, it will be denied uh because or certainly narrowed down by 99 percent because um, this is just grotesquely do they have to answer why these other uh, folks were not prosecuted or charged or indicted or arrested so so let's talk about that right like because <laughs> can this, I make a in, guess go right ahead your your guesses are almost I mean, always correct so 
I think my guess would be we can't talk about that because we would be discussing an open and ongoing investigation. That's exactly right. Um, and, yes. um, I, and I would point out, right, that we have seen the mirror image of this argument deployed with incredible frequency in the Michael Flynn case, right? So what happened in Flynn, uh, as, as, as you well know, as I well know, as somebody who appeared in that case, um, is that uh, on the eve of sentencing, uh, the uh, order came from the top down from Bill Barr. Uh, it led to the resignation of the line prosecutor in that case and his replacement with a with a Bill Barr lackey. Uh, and the government said, oh, we've just oh, we just coincidentally happened to change our mind on this. And now we want to drop all charges uh, against Michael Flynn. Um, and the primary argument that the that the Department of Justice made in that case was, prosecutorial discretion right it's it, it is well within uh the the discretion of the prosecutor to decide whom to charge what charges to bring when to bring them to charge person a but not person b um prosecutors do and and all of that is correct right i mean it's it's not correct when it's obviously fraudulent to try and protect a politically connected <laughs> defendant um but but in the ordinary case yeah like it doesn't do you any I mean, you know anybody who's ever been pulled over for going 75 in a 55 zone when the traffic is going 80 around you knows the like yeah but that ferrari was going way faster than i was defense uh doesn't get you out of a ticket um and and it's just that principle writ large Wow. Huh. All right. So they're going to deny that. That's interesting. Um, should I? Should I tell? <laughs> you're breaking up a I little bit. I don't know if it's if it's if you're hearing the same from me, but. Um... No, you sound fine. You sound uh, fine to me. I mean, you sound amazing, but you know, there's just <laughs> these little spats in between where you know there's static or what have you. But um, hopefully, yeah. our listeners aren't hearing that. Sorry about that, everyone. Ninety nine percent of AG is better than a hundred percent of anybody else. So, oh, now see, now you're flattering. That's nice. Yeah. Did you see? Um, the new report uh, from the New York Times, David Enrich, about uh, Rosemary Vrablick resigning. No, I didn't. Tell, talk to me about that. Yeah, so apparently, <clears throat> do you remember the uh, about a year, year and a half back, New York Times reached out to Deutsche Bank and said, hey, what's up with this weird 2013 real estate deal between your top lender to Trump, Rosemary Vrablick, who worked at Deutsche mm. Bank, and this other guy who also works at Deutsche Bank, who bought a $1.5 million apartment that was partly owned by Kushner. And you, you know, generally, already Vrablick uh, and Deutsche Bank had been lending Kushner money and were just starting to get in, getting into lending the Trump's money. And, and by that time, Trump was completely radioactive to any normal bank. <laughs> yeah. And and so New York Times poked Deutsche Bank about it. And then Deutsche Bank said, ooh, we should launch an internal investigation. So they launched an investigation into that deal. And today, 
the two people who worked at Deutsche Bank that were involved in that deal resigned. They retired. Excuse me. They retired. Um, so that's fun. Now, of course, the reporting doesn't show that there's actually any that they're reporting that as a coincidence that we don't know if it's connected. <laughs> Uh, which is yeah. responsible reporting, and I appreciate yeah. that. Um, but you know, this comes at a perilous time for Trump, who's going to have three hundred and thirty million dollars come due to Deutsche Bank in the next couple of years. And if his special money friend doesn't work there anymore, <laughs> uh, they could seize his assets. Yeah. So um, when the New York Times published a uh, a subset, but but voluminous amounts of Trump's taxes uh, several months ago. Um, I believe the figure they calculated was that Trump had $421 million in loans uh, coming due in the next um, in the next couple of years. I know I have seen the same reporting uh, that says Deutsche Bank acknowledges 330 million of those. Now, whether that is I, it, it, you know, how we reconcile the the other ninety one million dollars, um, you know, I it, I'm not going to speculate. Um, but you <laughs> saw this come up. You saw this come up because it, actually at the debate, uh, sort of unprompted, because Donald Trump has this um, the, the perpetual inability not to lie about the thing that's on his mind, even when he's only asked something tangentially, right? Like I would love <laughs> to like sit down and play poker against Donald Trump, right? Like you'd be like, you know, you'd, you'd look over and be like, so you uh, trying to catch that flush draw? And you'd be like, I do not have three Kings, right? Like, yeah. it would ju- it, like it would just be amazing to watch um but but this actually happened in the debate it was a little moment i you and i talked about it um where uh joe biden was just saying the 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 basic line right he came back uh this was the 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 second uh and and final debate in which uh biden uh, did amazingly well um and and biden said you know he that uh trump said you know blah blah hunter biden you know whatever and, and joe biden was like you're talking about corruption like show us your taxes man and <laughs> and there was a there was a bit which is great and then there was this bit where trump went into a rambling soliloquy of like i don't have to because i'm under audit but like my property they're totally they're they're absolutely not over leveraged and everybody thinks they're the best leveraging and they're perfect and <laughs> and, and and what he was lying about there was the yeah. the fact that under ordinary banking regulations um nobody on earth would have loaned donald trump the amount of money uh that he was able to borrow uh primarily from deutsche bank uh mm-hmm. against these properties because at the end of the day right like the, the 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 actuarial calculations that the bank undertakes is uh, in light of the fact that um a financial lending institution is not a landlord, is not a commercial real estate broker, right? Like they do not want to own property at the end of this. Um, and and it is very, very clear that all of the properties that have secured the, the loans for which the $421 million in indebtedness is coming due, do not, will not remotely satisfy that indebtedness. Um, so yeah, a, a day of reckoning is coming very, very soon for Donald Trump. And, you know, like I would kind of like not to have the president of the United States be in debt nine figures to people. Um, that, that seems like a bad thing. 
Um, and you know, so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is why it is crucial, right? It, it, I, you and I live this, right? You have uh, Mueller tattooed on your bicep, okay? Um, we live and love this stuff. Um, but but I do get people will ask me, you know, kind of from time to time, like, well, why, like, why should I care? Right. Like, I get I get it. Andrew, like, you know, but but like at the end of the day, like I want the president to, you know, keep me safe and like help grow the economy, help me grow my 401k. Um you know, so yeah, like I'm glad Trump is out, but I'm glad Trump's out because he was incompetent on COVID and tanked the economy. Why do you care about all of these sort of, you know, process crimes? Um, and and this is the reason that you should care about the, the, the process crimes, right? You, you care about the process crimes because they are the linchpin for other criminal behavior. If the president owes hundreds of millions of dollars then there there are only two options, right? Um, we're gonna we're gonna see that second option now because he's not gonna be the president anymore when those come due, um, and and that means his properties will get foreclosed, his accounts will get shut down and garnished, right? Like uh, like it it will not go well for Donald Trump, um, no. you know, with with respect to that indebtedness. But now imagine that he's the president. Right now, he can call up Deutsche Bank and go, all right, like, uh, because because remember, a, a bank is not required, right? They no. can forbear on the loan. Yeah, right? and, and they and talked so, about this before the election, yeah. too. Deutsche Bank, everyone was worried if Donald Trump won re-election, that Deutsche Bank would be in a precarious position because it would have to collect on a sitting president. Um, yeah. We have a question. Should we Should we Ooh. hear it? Yeah, let's let's hear it. All right. Oh, changing partners. After uh, after changing partners, you will not be able to go back and chat with Torres. I don't want to change the partner. Oh, oh. I, I like I like my current partner. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Huh, I don't I see the just... little like. Yeah. Oh, I think it's somebody else wants to talk to me. Like somebody else is trying to go live with me. Uh, yeah, no can't do that right now so we don't have a question questions <laughs> pop up in the middle like this one like here ah <laughs> that was our look thank you you know a <laughs> little bit of growing pains <laughs> this is this is number one here but uh yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think yeah. it's going well so yeah right, uh, right just to just to put a bow on that story right like it Deutsche Bank would have 330 plus million dollars in leverage uh, over a sitting president had Donald Trump been reelected. And then the question is, we look, we know we have we have uh, undisputed evidence uh, that he viewed aid to Ukraine as his personal bargaining chip. Like what? a You know what? U.S. policy, would he not be willing to sell out to Deutsche Bank uh, in exchange for oh. forbearance on his loans? Yeah, that's the definition. That is garden variety, you know, cartoon bag with the dollar sign on it level corruption. Um, the kind of thing that used to get you impeached and arrested. Yeah. 
main concern. So, uh, especially when, you know, Kushner <clears throat> got a $1.4 billion <laughs> bump from, or a $1 billion bump from uh, Cutter, who was trying to get a blockade lowered against him from uh, Kushner's best friend, Mohammed bin Salman, also known as Mohammed Bonesaw, who Trump is also weighing clemency for, by the way. Um, so I wanted to talk to you. I sent you a, a lawsuit a little bit earlier uh, <laughs> from, I think the NAACP is suing Trump about the election. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. Um, this is, okay. So um, this lawsuit was originally filed um, about a month ago, um, but, uh, and it was by uh, a, a, a Michigan um organization, the Michigan Welfare Rights Organization. Um, it has now been joined by the NAACP um, and by uh, three Michigan voters. And it adds, uh, and that's really what I want to focus on, um, it adds claims under the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. Um, and this is not a thing that you uh, see typically being deployed against a, you know, as an accusation against a presidential campaign. Um, but um, yeah, so these were Reconstruction Era acts um, uh, that uh, implemented the 13th Amendment, okay? So typically, I don't want to get too deep into law geekery, um, although I, I will at some point because I love it. Um, <laughs> but, but when you think about but like... That's a bowl me. Of whiskey and fish heads <laughs> in my basement where you live. <laughs> Everyone, in case you didn't um, know, uh, Andrew Torres lives in my basement. He's my basement lawyer. Uh, and yeah. he gets a bowl of bourbon or, or rye. Was it bourbon? Uh, yeah, it was... both, actually. You know, rye is a subset of bourbon. So as long as it's a brown liquor, I'll, I'll drink it. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Gordon's whiskey will work great. Oh my good, God! Good, oh, good, good. No. Wow. Don't you? <laughs> don't you have any head. paint thinner uh, and, uh, and 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 brown food coloring instead? Um, no. Uh, so here's here's the significant the significance for me for the for the logic group. When you see typical equal protection challenges, right? Um, those are rooted in the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, and, the, and the 14th Amendment's guarantee that no person shall be deprived of equal protection of the laws. Um, and that is common jurisprudence that you see sort of every day. Um, this actually comes, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan Act comes out of um, the Section 2 of the 13th Amendment. So 13th Amendment abolished slavery. Section two says Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. And one of the pieces of appropriate legislation that Congress passed uh, was 42, that's the criminal statute, 42 U.S. Code, 1985, right? And subsection three makes it a crime to engage in a conspiracy to deprive uh, individuals of rights or privileges under the laws. Um, and, and specifically, to deprive um, African-Americans of their rights or privileges under the law. Um, and so, as you might imagine, right, um, that there's actually a fair amount of litigation about this. And, and this lawsuit I, I, I have been through um, says, look, what the Trump campaign, so it sues 
the Trump, it sues Donald Trump uh, in his personal capacity. Um, it sues Donald J. Trump for president incorporated, right? His, his, uh, his campaign apparatus campaign. and the Republican. Yeah. And the Republican national committee. And it says, oh. um, what you have been doing uh, is designed to intimidate election officials into not counting the votes of black people. And when you do that, that is every bit as much a violation of the Ku Klux Klan Act as, right, stand, engaging in poll intimidation, right? Standing outside, right, the, the classic 1982 case uh, in New Jersey in which um, mm. the, the Republican Party hired off-duty police workers, uh, slapped armbands on them, that's not frightening, uh, called them the election task force, uh, and had them quote monitor uh, poll stations, and that was openly in in uh, predominantly African American neighborhoods, um, and so, it was designed to intimidate people into not voting. So yeah. So I didn't ahead. I didn't I didn't read the lawsuit, but assuming some of the citations they're making are, for, for example, Trump himself calling and trying to get Pennsylvania or Michigan lawmakers, or uh, you know we need recounts or audits for example, uh, or Detroit or Philadelphia uh, specifically, right? And I'm, I'm assuming they're citing some of these, um, tar the, how the, the Trump campaign and their lawsuits and their election lawsuits and when, you know, Trump's personal phone calls, even to Georgia, were to, they were specifically targeting is with uh, high numbers of black voters in them. And so I'm all those are cited in the case all these instances it, it, it that is exactly right um and let's let's sort of tease that apart um it it is not just allegations involving the lawsuits but also allegations involving the content and statements uh by the president by the rnc by the the, the president's intermediary so for example paragraph 52 on page 18 said on November 26, 2020, Trump publicly referred to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, whose office presided over the recount of Georgia's election and who certified President-elect Biden's victory there as, quote, really, really an enemy of the people, end of quote. When Gabriel Sterling, a Republican official in Secretary Raffensperger's office, implored the president to stop fostering rhetoric and threats against election workers on December 1, Trump responded by doubling down, tweeting, rigged election, show signatures and envelopes, expose the massive voter fraud in Georgia. What is Secretary of State and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Georgia, afraid of? They know what we'll find, seven exclamation points. So you are exactly correct that it is it's the overall pattern. And this is really, really smart, right? Because um, when I dug into the law, there's some question of whether just filing lawsuits is enough to violate uh, Section 1985, subsection 3. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to bore you with all the technical reasons for that. Um, but the overall pattern is absolutely sufficient, right? Like to what, mm -hmm. what you do is you show in general that there has been a conspiracy uh, to violate the rights uh, of, of African-Americans and particularly their, their, their right to vote. And um, th th this was the other part that, that you were correct about. I didn't want to read it from the case, but, but they mention right, that Trump's recount in Wisconsin 
was yeah. not a statewide recount, but was limited to the two highest African-American counties in, in Wisconsin, right? And and at, at some point, right, with, with all of this, you know, and, and we've talked about whenever a crime requires you to prove someone's intent, um, people rightfully say, okay, well, that's going to be a challenge. And it is, right? It's it's tough to prove what's in someone's head because we don't have, you know, the precogs or, you know, from, from Minority Report or, you know, we don't <laughs> otherwise have the ability to like, you know, read your thoughts. Um, but what we can do, but, but, but that omits the fact that we try people and juries convict people with the requisite criminal intent all the time. And what you do is yeah. just you develop sufficient circumstantial evidence. But by the way, you, you don't need to know this. You know this well and good. But like circumstantial evidence should not have that like connotation of, you know, not as good evidence. Like, circumstantial evidence is really, really good evidence, right? Like it's yeah, evidence as a matter that of corroborates fact, the stuff you um, use to show intent. Yeah, go ahead. As, as a matter of fact, when everyone when, you know, when Trump uh, tweeted out about the smocking gun, you know, <laughs> um, no smocking gun, Mueller, stupid, eight exclamation points. Um, I brought to everyone's attention, just so everyone's clear, a smoking gun is technically circumstantial evidence. Uh, 100%. <laughs> so, like, let's not belittle the strength and power of, circ of circumstantial evidence. If you've seen Legally Blonde... You know, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Is, no, you know, no. That's by the right. way, where I get most of my my legal uh, information is from that film. I, I, I you are uh, everything to which Elle Woods could aspire. So and um, and reading thousands and thousands of court filings and briefings and yeah. lawsuits. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Let's 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 not sell the homework. To it. <laughs> um, but but no, like. But this if, lawsuit look, is 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 damn well written, man. It is put together it, beautifully. It it is, and you know, one of the things you you know this, the OA listeners know this already. Um, but but one of the the, the pieces of advice uh, that I always give to non-lawyers when you go to read complaints is read them backwards, right? Start at the bottom and yep. work your way up, right? That's how I and do so, it. And <laughs> so, yeah, it, 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 uh, that's right. Because what that will do is you start at the very last page and you look and see who represents the parties here, right? Mm -hmm. And then do a little Google on them, right? Um uh, it just just type in who are these people um mm -hmm. and some uh, shockingly uh with a, you know a number of uh uh president trump's lawyers you get oh this is a crazy person right <laughs> as opposed to here what you have is not only the NAACP legal defense and educational fund uh, but Jenner and Block which is an international white shoe law firm hugely respected around the globe um that, that that tells you right and you know five lawyers from jenner and block who are assisting um yeah and, this is kind like, of like how when i read because you know i'm a resident of california so we always have nine million propositions on the ballot and yeah generally the way that i decide how i'm going to vote on a proposition because there's so much disinformation out there <laughs> is yeah, I no find kidding. out who's paying, who, where the money is coming from, who's behind this particular proposition. Oh, this proposition is about getting more money into schools, brought to you by 
the richest man who lives near schools who <laughs> right. you know <laughs> right, right and you're right, like yeah. oh okay philip yeah no i'm not voting for your stupid thing uh, so you can kind of get an, a, an idea about that. And then the other great thing about reading a lawsuit backwards is you get in conclusion right at the end, right? It sums it all up very nice and neat this for you. Is then the I thing. go back to the beginning <laughs> and I look at whatever the you know important bits are. Then maybe I'll go into the background. But I skip that whole part that's full of case law, which is probably <laughs> the part that you like to spend the most time I... on. But I I love that part. But the but the in conclusion part, like right right before that is the relief that they're asking for and yes. it, it is shocking that you know the number of reporters that don't know to turn to that page because one of the things that we've seen right like rudy giuliani has done this three separate times in lawsuits ostensibly on behalf of the president where paragraph one like paragraph one is your rhetoric paragraph Right. That's the thing that you write that's supposed, but like it doesn't mean anything. And so no. in paragraph one, he'll say, you know, we're going to overturn all the fraudulent votes and do whatever. And then you look down and you see in the section for relief that really counts. Right. That's what you're asking right. the judge to and do. In, and in that like, one case <laughs> with, the, with the two voters who didn't get their ballots cured, uh, yeah. uh, that I think was the Judge Brand decision in Pennsylvania where they were looking to to overturn or not count any of the ballots in those counties that instead of uh, you know a, a reasonable and the judge was like even let's just say you asked for a reasonable cure here which would be for the two people who didn't get their ballots counted to count them i would still say no because you don't have you know because of nine other things that, that are wrong with this lawsuit but at least that would be more reasonable than because these two people didn't get their ballots cured. We have to count. We don't count anyone's votes. We don't count anything. Counts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and right. he's like, you get the fuck out of my courtroom. You know, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but I really uh, love Accurately summarizing. In, in but I really loved how when arguments ended uh, before that decision came out, he spent a good half hour like, hey, so what do you guys, you going to eat locally? You, I got some really great uh, food ideas for you. And I'm sitting there thinking, how can he, when, how can he have that cordial conversation with somebody who just wanted to disenfranchise millions of voters? But, you know, there were, I got a lot of information on why that kind of thing happens. But when he came back with that decision, man, he bench slapped Rudy Giuliani. There was no I, I love... two ways about it. <laughs> So yeah, so so a couple things that I want to jump off from that 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 I think are really um, important to talk about. Right, the oh, first wait, before was before you get going. Before you get going, oh. ten minute warning, everybody. So if you have a question, Ooh. there's a little there's a little uh, thought bubble with the play icon in it. I believe that's where you record your question. If you have a question, just record it there, and then we'll pick it up and play it and answer your question. Yep. We only have about ten minutes left, and we're going to be doing these. Uh, we don't have a schedule yet, but I think Tuesdays at five. Uh, and yeah, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And we are going to be dropping these in our podcast feeds on Saturday. So you have something to listen to Saturday as well. All right. Well, looks like we have a question. I'm going to play that and then uh, I'll go off on my tangent. It'll be fun. Right. Okay. Thanks, uh, you guys, for having this conversation. I have a, I have a couple of really quick questions. Um, and uh, so, so I understand that Yes, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank and other other institutions will certainly uh, be calling on Trump's door and will most likely be able to uh, 
to do you know things uh, to him that after president than while president. So so understood. Uh, and I also understand the Wisconsin lawsuit that you were just talking about as well, or I'm sorry, the new lawsuit that they are claiming about the KKK clause uh, that has been uh, violated. Um, but my question is, what is what is the what's the likelihood that this is going to happen now? Because for the last almost five years, he's done so many egregious acts that people have not actually been able to. I get I get that right, um, <laughs> and, and I love the yeah, question. So uh, that was that was Max Fox. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, go ahead. Yeah, Adrian. and I, Take the first I, I feel I feel like there's a little bit of a difference between people not criminally prosecuting him and people filing civil suits against him. So if you look at the New York Attorney General, she's got a very successful ongoing investigation civilly into the Trump Organization, and she successfully civilly sued the Trump Foundation. And now Trump had to shut down his foundation in New York and none of the Trump family are allowed to run a charity for 10 years. So there have been some successful civil lawsuits. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is this NAACP lawsuit. Andrew is a civil suit. Uh, what is the relief they're seeking? Okay, so I, I want to I want to get to the relief that sought um, and which I will explain in a minute. Um, but but I also want to address sort of the larger context of, of a question, right? Which is when you are the president, you have a degree of immunity, right? You do not have absolute immunity um, that, that we we learned that in, um, in President Clinton had to sit for the deposition in Paula Jones civil suit, right? And the argument that was made was, hey, I'm the president, I'm too busy. And the Supreme hey. Court was like, hey. you know what? Like, maybe not, right? Like, yes, um, there, there are certain absolute touchstones, right? So, for example, one of the things you can't do is um, you you can't uh, presently indict and arrest a sitting president, right? Because yeah, that would make it very difficult to discharge the duties of the presidency. Um, but uh, once you are no longer the president, right, that no longer attaches. So all of the things that helped Trump get away with his criminal behavior over the last four years are gone once he's no Going longer president, bye. right? Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of that has to do with that Office of Legal Counsel memo, which yep. a lot of people uh, argue should be get gotten rid of. This we have there's Andrew. so much that I could I could go in. I do want to say quickly the relief that is sought in the NAACP case is an injunction against excuse me, against the Republican Party, against uh, the Trump campaign. Um, th this is the primary relief that they want that says, hey, um, issue an injunction that requires them and anyone acting on their behalf or in concert with them from violating state and federal laws protecting the rights of qualified citizens to vote to have to go to the court to get approval prior to engaging in any activities related to recount certification or other post-election activities. I can continue to read it, but basically that's what they want. They want the court to issue an injunction, which is a rule telling the Republican Party, the Trump campaign, and Donald Trump personally, you can't do this. And if you want to do any of these other things, you have to seek permission from the court first. Why? Because you've demonstrated you're a bad actor and you can't be trusted. Um, it and also seeks compensatory damages. And if that injunction is put in place and it's violated, is that a criminal, is that a federal violation of the law? 
So if you if you knowingly violate a court injunction, you absolutely can be held in contempt of court. Um, and you what if can, you've pardoned that, yourself? <laughs> you cannot <laughs> prospectively pardon. So future there are two crimes. interesting questions. Right. right, you can't pardon future crimes. Um, but there's a really interesting question there. I don't know that you can pardon yourself for contempt of court even concurrently, right? Like, so so let's take the Bill Clinton example, right? Bill Clinton is required, uh, this is the, the Paula Jones, Clinton v. Jones, uh, the Supreme Court says you have to sit for a deposition in Paula yeah. Jones' civil suit. Um, then mm -hmm. Bill Clinton says, okay, cool, I'm going to sit for the deposition. Then he goes into the deposition and makes armpit fart noises throughout the entire deposition, right? Like, it just is non- yeah, is non-responsive, doesn't answer anything, uh, and you know, opposing counsel uh, gets progressively more angry, and finally says, uh, "Mr. President, I'm going to call the judge uh, and have him order you to testify." And they call, they get the judge on the phone, and the judge says, "Mr. President, I order you to testify." And Bill Clinton continues to make the little fart noises with his with his armpit. Um, at that point the judge could hold him in contempt. And I do not think that Bill Clinton could pardon himself for that existing contempt because that is not an offense against the United States. That is part of ah, the court's inherent power to court, yeah. right to enforce its rules but i don't i it's it's as far as i know it has never ever come up in our nation's history um because yeah. you know uh we I asked tend not to elect presidents who do that uh, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I, as somebody who thinks the pardon power is super duper broad, I don't know that it's broad enough to cover um, contempt. Yeah, contempt. Of uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna hit this. Sorry, what thing. I meant to say. Uh, uh, message oh, finished early. So for over the last five years, meaning starting from his election, pre-election, uh, pre-elect. Uh, pre uh, I'm sorry, pre-president. All the all the yeah. elections. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think I think we got the sense from. from yeah, I think I, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, uh, yeah, he was basically asking nothing. He's never faced any consequences. What makes you think he's going to face consequences here? And I think you're right, Andrew. And I to answer um, that list, listener's question, you now that he is no longer president, you are going to start seeing a lot of lawsuits filed uh, and, and, and not not they're not going to wait until January 20th you know, they're starting now because they know he lost the election and lawsuits take a while to get through the system anyway. So they're like, well, yep. by the time anybody sees this or hears it or it gets filed or there's any even scheduling or interest or anything, hearings on this or discovery or whatever, we're going to be well into into Joe Biden's uh, administration. Yep. And, and, and let me add one last thing, which is, um, you know, Max Vox asked about, you know, said five years, right? Said from the moment he became a declared candidate. Um, and, and again, that, that also has to do with standard norms, right, in our elections, right? The, the DOJ has a manual um, that, you know, basically um, uh, instructs them uh, not to put their thumb on the scale during the yeah, right? Jim Comey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> um, that, that that look that absolutely we could we could do an hour on Comey, right? Like that, I, I think that that was dispositive of the 2016 election, and I hope that you know Jim Comey uh, has bouts of insomnia frequently about what he did in 2016. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's why you're 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 not supposed to use the machinery of government. 
uh, to inveigh in for or against a candidate. And, okay. I, you know, it's it's what I hope. <laughs> I, I, I am concerned because we have tens of millions of people. Like my son is 18, right? Um, it We have tens of millions of people who are around his age who ha- have been politically aware and active only in this administration, right? And so have, have yeah. come to view, right? Like, like they don't have 20, 30 year history, 100 year history of these are the norms. This is, this is, yeah. none of this, this stuff is normal. Yeah, and we got to rebuild so. that. We, we have to yeah. show this is not the way the country is supposed to be run. So we um, absolutely, I got a feeling do. we could talk about that for hours and hours. But. Yeah, and we might come to an end here. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, We're going to be back next Tuesday at 5. If uh, that time changes, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Muller She Wrote or at Allison Gill, two L's and Allison, two L's and Gill. Andrew is at Open, is it Open Args? Yep, O-P-E-N-A-R-G-S, the opening argument uh, in the meantime, you can listen to the Opening Arguments podcast and the Daily Beans podcast. Ah, That's our daily ah, news podcast. So good. Thank you. And so is Opening Arguments. And this has been really fun. And come next time with your questions, and, and we're happy to answer them. And thank you uh, for that question that we got. That's a really good question because so many people are frustrated that this administration is just not being held to account. But I think we may see some changes in that pretty soon. I think that's right. All right, Andrew, till next time, everybody else, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I'm Andrew. Take care. Bye-bye. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.